Hi everybody, I'm Lily Coco and welcome to Mom Your Own Way. Today my guest is Annie Lawton. Annie is a mom, she's from Canada, she is a writer, a blogger, now she's in the editorial lead for Pika & Co. And she's also got a book coming out which I can't wait to talk to her, so let's get this party going. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Annie, I feel I like I did. It. You did, but I feel like I did like a boring intro because I was trying to keep down my laughs. Oh, gosh. And so I kind of was trying to like stay steady because, uh, well, before we hopped on, we were just having some difficulty issues, but I was laughing so hard because it was just, <laughs> it was like that. It was like a meme of when you try something oh and it just is, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't. It was like the definition of motherhood when you're oh, just Lord. like, <laughs> you know what it was like it was like childbirth and when you're pushing and the head peeks out a little bit and then it sucks back in I just like kept coming in and out and like I couldn't figure it out <laughs> yeah I think you were on seven different times before this happened oh, I'm really sorry everyone we're just cracking oh, up and this I'm is sorry happy Friday happy Friday happy Friday everybody I don't know why that it was just so funny it was just <laughs> in and out childbirth in and out uh, yeah. You know what's funny? Um, yesterday we we had this we have this like neighbor's boy who's trying to make money, so he's mowing the lawn. And then yesterday we were trying to pay him through like a cash app, but for some reason it wasn't working. And I think he was getting frustrated, so he was like, "Oh, just like to my husband, he was like, oh, just give me the phone because he wanted to do it." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, we're that old where we just yeah. we just don't know how an app works. Like we're familiar with it, it's whatever." But I'm like, yeah. man. I just don't know how technology works anymore. These youngsters are now taking over. I know. I know. My uh, my five-year-old the other day was like in his room. He snuck and grabbed my cell phone off the nightstand and was in his room and was like watching something on YouTube. And I was like, how, how do you know how to spell? How do you know how to search this stuff? Like, and he just, he's figured it all out. I don't get it. It's wild. You know what's crazy? I think like 10 years ago, before I was a mom, I used to babysit, and it was like three kids, and one of them was like two-year-olds, three-year-olds, I think maybe four-year-old. Okay, I really should remember, but she was so good at like the iPad and putting her shows on, and I was like, yeah. let's go play outside, let's go do this, and she just knew how to do it, so it was really hard to stop her, but I'm like, man, she's advanced, and this was 10 years ago. This yeah. one, it was like the hefty iPads. I don't think I even had an iPad and yeah. she like had it. I was like, girl, I'm in college and you've got one to watch your like, I don't know, Blippy. I don't think yeah. Blippy was oh on gosh. then, but. No, I don't think Blippy was there yet, but Arthur, bananas and pajamas, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but it's wild where technology has gotten. It's a little scary. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. Um, I had uh, another mom on with a great podcast. She has uh she speaks about technology and children and uh, how we often try to protect our kids from strangers. You know, don't talk to this person, don't talk to this yeah. person, but we easily hand them an access to 7 billion strangers online. Yeah. And um, not necessarily, I mean, yeah, we want to stop it, but we can't, like you said, kids can know how to get on and figure it out. So how do we have that conversation with them and saying, okay, I'm doing this because I love you and I need you to stay protected. And discussing those things with them and opening up that conversation, which is just yeah, 
hard because you don't want to expose your kids to what might be out there. I know. I know. It's parenting is a different world than we grew up in. Um, Yeah. 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 It's hard to know what the right thing to do is. I have no idea. I'm winging it every day. (laughs) Yeah. No. And that's like this. That's the sticker of motherhood or parenthood. You know, you you get on, try to find all these answers, but then you're kind of overstimulated with the amount of information that's out there. And then you have to like pick and choose what's best for you. But it's hard to know because you haven't done it. And it's hard because I'm like, oh, there's so much information so you can learn anything you want. And at the same time, like, it's too much information. I don't know what's right. Someone just tell me what to do. Yeah. I think, like, in new motherhood, that really impacted me. Like, I Googled everything. Um, And now I just don't give a crap. (laughs) Kind of, like, I'm kind of, I think it could be a three-kid thing that, like, I've learned that all kids are so different in their own unique way. And and don't get me wrong, like I still use Google from time to time to figure things out. Um, but you can go down such a rabbit hole and it's just not great for your mental health. So I try to like lay some boundaries there. It's scary now because you can look up like, I don't know, like a skin discoloration, probably because you scratched yourself from a bug. And then the answers you're going to get, and then when it comes to your child's life, where it's like, oh, this is a different color, or is this supposed to look like this? And then you just, like a train hits you with the things where you're like, I don't know, put them in a bubble now. I'm done. Like, we're all screwed. Yep. So it it just sets you in such a... But let's talk about your motherhood. Annie, I want to talk about your motherhood. I want to talk about Pika and Co. I want to talk about your book, your blogging, your writing. And I want to get to know you as a person. You're such a lively, like, fun uh, lady. And I know it's not just fun. I know you're very, like, deep and you have these thoughts. And I I love how connected you are with your readers and the audience and moms and just women out there. So I want to get to know you. But I want to hear your story wherever you want to start it. Um, Yeah. About you. Oh, gosh. Where do I start? Um, I guess my husband and I met, I think it's going on like 11 or 12 years now. Um, we met in the parking lot of a bar, which seems very old school and dates me because we didn't like meet online. There were like, I don't, I don't know if that was a thing then. It's like a um, country music song. Like yeah. we met in the parking lot, and yeah. the, you know. Yeah, we met in the parking lot of a bar. And then he messaged me on BBM, which, again, very much dates me. Do you know what BBM is? No. A Blackberry Messenger. Oh, I did not have a Blackberry. I I wasn't that cool. Yeah, no, he messaged me on Blackberry Messenger. And it's kind of like, then we've always been together. And that's been our thing. Um, I never went to school to be a writer or work in communications or or do anything that I'm doing now. Um, I actually went to school because I wanted to be a teacher. And I did my teachable in geography. Mm-hmm. And when it came time for me to make a decision to go to teacher's college, um, a lot of my friends weren't getting jobs because uh, there was just such an oversaturation of teachers at the time. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go into environmental studies and do things like um, line project and wind turbine projects. And and I was a part of doing all of the permitting and approvals for that. And um, it got to a point where I kind of took on a communications role. And um, 
the public would submit their concerns in about these projects and they would come to my department and then I would have to draft letters to try and ease some of their concerns. But I would get concerns like, um, my son suffers from seizures. I'm really concerned about the wind turbine projects and what's that and what that's going to do to my child mm-hmm. or parents having concerns about cancer from living too close to certain projects. And I had all of the answers from Health Canada where I could say, you know, nothing to be worried about. Here's the research. Here's the information. But it still felt yucky. Like those were still really they were very real concerns to these parents. Um, and I just, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel like something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, I ended up leaving there and, you know, continued to work in that industry a little bit. And then my husband and I got married. And one month after getting married, we found out we were pregnant with our first child, which was a bit of a, a surprise in itself because I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 21 years old. Um, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I had multiple cysts across my ovaries. I had been in and out of the hospital because of cyst ruptures. And before Dave and I tried to get pregnant, we met with my doctor and she said, try for six months. If it doesn't work out, instant referral to a fertility clinic because we already know you have underlying issues where most couples have to try for about a year if they don't know if there's something else going on. So when I got pregnant right away, it was kind of like, this is too good to be true. Mm. And it kind of was because um, at our 12 week ultrasound, we saw our baby and it was awesome. And, um, you know, the baby was doing really well. So we shared with all of our family and friends because that's the safe time, you know, Mm. that you can share. Mm -hmm. Shared with everyone, made this huge announcement, made the Facebook announcement. And two days later, we got a call into my doctor's office saying that um, they found something abnormal. And I was hoping that it was me because, you know, you're already in that mom zone, yeah. right? You want to protect your baby. I was hoping it was me. And we went into the doctor's office. My husband came with me and they said, you know, your son has um, a thickened nuchal translucency, which is on the back of the neck. And it's one of the soft markers for Down syndrome. Hmm. So I just like... After she said that, I just started sobbing and I don't remember much of the conversation that happened afterwards. Um, But we were transferred into care at McMaster Children's Hospital here in Ontario, Canada. And um, we met with a genetics counselor and they did non-invasive prenatal screening. And all of those test results came back clear, saying low risk for Down syndrome, I think Edwards syndrome and Turner syndrome. So... We had a little celebration in the genetics counselor room and my husband and I were really excited and we found out we were having a baby boy. And then another doctor came in and said, okay, that testing all looks good, but we found during a scan, there's some abnormal fluid between the third and fourth ventricle of your baby's brain. So it's looking like instead of being an additional chromosome, it looks like we might be dealing with a chromosomal microdeletion and your baby may not be able to survive outside of the womb your baby may be okay your baby may not be able to you know walk or talk or they they give you worst case scenario so at that point we're told okay you have a decision here to make 
you can go through amniocentesis and find out for like 100% certainty what's going on. Um, and then you can make a decision from there. And they said in worst case scenarios, we would recommend termination, which is so difficult to hear. Um, but you know, there could be best case scenarios too. So I went home and I really struggled with the decision. Um, my husband was pro amniocentesis from the start. He wanted to know exactly, you know, what we were getting into and what we were dealing with. And for me, I looked at the statistics of there being a one in 200 chance of losing my baby through amnio. And I really struggled with being the final person to, to make yeah. that decision. Um, in the end, we did go through with the amnio. It took eight weeks because of issues with culturing. Um, something didn't work out and they had to like resend and retest and, and all of that sort of stuff. And then at like 28 weeks pregnant, I think it was, we got an all clear that baby was healthy and it was all just like a fluke. Um, yeah. So at that point, I was really starting to spiral into perinatal depression, which I didn't even know was a thing at the time. Um, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah. So I, I think I put up a little bit of a wall um, with my baby because mm. I was preparing myself that if I was going to lose my child, I had to kind of protect myself from that yeah. a little bit. Um, so that was really hard. I was the first one out of my friends at 26 years old to be expecting a baby or to have a baby. So I didn't really have anyone that understood, you know, what that felt like. Like they can try to put themselves in your shoes, but you really don't know what that feels like. And, and you don't know what it's like to have to make a decision for your baby's life. Um, you know, that, that was really, really hard. So I ended up, I, I started getting kind of sick and tired of everyone being like, Oh my gosh, first baby, are you so excited? And cause no one really knew what was going on at the time. So I wrote out a post one day on Facebook saying, this is what we're going through. And it ended up getting picked up by the Huffington Post. And I got connected with this community of people who understood what I was going through. And it was so validating. And I felt so safe in that space to talk about my fears and my concerns and all of that sort of stuff. So I kept writing. And that's kind of how my writing career started. I, I never stopped after that. Um, wow. And then life kind of continued to unravel from there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry that you had to go through that and almost alone. I know you have your husband and your family, yeah. but it's hard not having that like tribe or village, especially when we grow up kind of leaning on our friends and we kind of yeah. seek advice from them because they're usually going through the same thing or something similar or... And so it's hard when you don't have anyone to lean on. And then when you're when you're asked to lean on the doctors who have to give you the worst case scenarios yeah. and you have to go through the emotional impact of, okay, so how could it go? How will I deal with this? How do I accept it? How do I like the emotional turmoil yeah. that that puts you in? I'm sorry that you had to go through that. That's, I mean, girl, yeah, that's hard. That's hard, especially in when you're 
of all things, if you were just, you know, a woman receiving bad news, it would be hard. But when you're, it's dealing with another human being who is your yeah. child. I mean, you're yeah. so connected. You're looking out for their safety, your own safety. There's just no way to like straighten out those thoughts that you're and emotions that you're going through. But I'm really glad that you found writing because it's like your own therapy that has helped yeah. you like iron out those wrinkles that are going through yeah. to help you process it while also helping others. Yeah. Yeah. So after that happened, um, you know, my sweet little baby boy decided not to latch and not to sleep and like yeah. already being a little bit disconnected and, um, having a little bit of a protective wall up that made it really, really hard for me. I just felt like it was one failure after another. Um, so I struggled with really bad postpartum depression, although I didn't know that's what it was. And I ended up pregnant at eight months postpartum with my first, um, wow. with my second son. And my second pregnancy ended up being a high-risk pregnancy again. So I went into threatened preterm labor at 30 weeks. I was taken in an ambulance to a hospital an hour away from home. I stayed there for a little bit. And again, it was like statistic after statistic of what's going to happen if you deliver a baby um, 10 weeks premature. Yeah. Like, here's here's some shots to develop the baby's lungs. And like, every day doing ultrasounds to see, you know, how he was doing and going into emergency C-section and signing paperwork and like all of this sort of stuff. Um, and again, he ended up, you know, being born on time, totally healthy. <laughs> Everything um, was fine. But it was one scare after another. Yeah. And while I was going through that, I was also diagnosed with a, a rare tumor around my facial nerves. So I like hit absolute <sighs> rock bottom of perinatal and postpartum depression and um, thought about taking my life during this time because it was just so hard. And I ended up finally getting myself on antidepressants and I was able to start thinking with a clear head. And I wrote a post after I had my surgery for my tumor about the difference in care between um, my C-section and my, and my parodidectomy um, <laughs> is what it was called. Oh. And it was like vastly different. So after my parodidectomy, mm -hmm. There were, I had like a, a nurse that was put on my case to like look after me three times a week, make sure my stitches were healing well, make sure I wasn't getting an infection, checking in on everything. After a C-section, as a mom of two under a year and a half with history of postpartum depression, you're sent home just to like fend for yourself. And I was like, I don't understand why there's such a difference in care here. So again, wrote a post about it. It went viral around the world. Seven million people saw it. Yeah. Um, it was translated into seven different languages. And it it just exploded. And a lot of the moms are from the U.S. being like, six weeks mat leave over here. <laughs> like, how are yeah. we supposed to go back to work? Like, so um, I've just continued to advocate because there's such a hole in maternal mental health care. It's just, it's really disappointing and discouraging and yeah. 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 This isn't going to sound good, <laughs> but I picture you standing in front of, instead of just like a one car, 
you're in front of a train and then yeah. each one of those cars just keeps hitting you and you're just like, yeah. anytime this train is done, I'm good, yeah. but it keeps going and it's hitting you over and over and over again. And I'm really amazed by your strength to be able to withstand oh, it. Thanks. And it's, it really is incredible. Like I really can't put myself in your place. I don't think yeah. anyone can. But the fact that you're able to do it and then be in such a space of being open and vulnerable to share that story with others says a lot about your strength. And I hope you know you're not like a statistic and you're not in your kids aren't statistics. I know you were hit with statistics over and over again, yeah. but you're you're a woman human being and so are your kids, you know, and Thanks. I'm so happy that they they're, you know, are well and you are well and you came on the other side of it. But I hate that it happened to you. I mean, that is just wild. I know. And I hate to say that, like, I believe this happened to me for a reason. And I hate to say that because nobody wants to be told something bad happened to them for a reason. Yeah. Um, I don't believe that's the case for everybody. I think sometimes bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Sometimes there's no reason for it. It just happens. Mm. But for me, I've had to, I've had to attach a purpose to it in order to continue to move forward because it would have destroyed me. Like it was such a hard chapter in my life. And if I didn't do something good with what I've been through, then I feel like what was the purpose of it? You know, so I'm trying to, to, you know, be an advocate for this sort of stuff. Absolutely. I think there's so much strength in I think it is easy to kind of use that excuse of like, oh, everything happens for a reason because we seek to have an explanation as to why something yeah. happened to us. But looking at it through the other lens of, you know what, th- this this happened, but what will I do with it? I will pivot and I will yeah. use it to advocate for others, to advocate for myself and my family. And I think that's the strength of knowing, okay, this occurred. What am I now going to do with it? And to be able not to give up and not to be down after all of those things, I mean... Yeah. And I will say, I, I wanted to give up. Like I, I walked out on my job. I went back to work after I had my oldest Jack. I lasted four weeks before my mental health got to such a bad place that one day I was at the office, I packed up my stuff and I walked out and I never went back. Um, And then I started doing this, like, really pushing forward really listening to like what my heart was telling me was was right for me and that kind of just changed everything yeah yeah (sighs) I feel like that's so important within motherhood but in just in our own lives to be able to like quiet down I don't want to say society but like what others are telling you you know whether it's the job or the thing or when you're supposed to get married or how you're supposed to be but being able to quiet those voices and tune in into yourself and say okay I've heard all of this stuff I know I'm supposed to do this or it's supposed to happen this way but what is my heart actually telling me and if I'm not happy yeah if I'm not like waking up eager to and I mean it doesn't have to be every day that you just wake up like a toddler out of bed ready for the day (laughs) but being excited to like take on what the day has to bring yeah to be able to create that pivot is incredible yeah and and i will say and i hate to like plug my book here Um, plug your book plug it away i'm gonna plug my book so i am writing a book it's called welcome to the jungle and it's coming out this october 
And it's literally about just that. So basically the premise is over the course of our life as women, we come across people, places, and things that cause us to pivot a little bit. So some of the examples I use is in grade eight, I was teased really badly about the way that I dressed and I'm Italian, so I have really hairy legs and like just that sort of stuff, right? So I remember going to um, the store with my mom who is like super Catholic and like putting out this little this little shirt that had like Virgo bedazzled across it and it was a crap top and like <laughs> angel written on my butt. And like my mom was like praying on her rosary and being like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> like, so I believed that who I was, what I wore, the fact that I like did not want to kiss boys at that stage. And like, I still very much believed in all of the fairy tales and magic of childhood at 13. Um, I started to change myself a little bit, you know, and then you get into relationships with boys and you change yourself a little bit for them. And, and then you're going off to, you know, post-secondary education maybe. And you're not exactly sure what you want to do, but you make a choice because you think it's the right choice. And maybe there's money in that career and, and you just keep pivoting. Right. And then you become a mom. Yeah. And you're not, you're, you're not who you were supposed to be. You are bits and pieces of other people's voices and other people's pivoting and you think you're lost and it's because you are lost. But in my opinion, it's not because of motherhood. It's because of the way you changed yourself over the course of your life. And then you have these beautiful babies who are raw and authentic in their most vulnerable way. And you look at life through them and, and you realize that you're not who you were supposed to be. And I say that, like, I didn't realize how much passion you could have about something you believed in until I told my two year old she couldn't, like, have a popsicle for dinner. You know what I mean? Like, she stands up for what she wants. And like, yeah. when did we lose our voice to, to stop standing up for what we wanted and truly believed in? Um, yeah. So really, as soon as my kids came, I was like, I don't want them to grow up and not be who they're meant to be. Like if they want to be like, Jack wants to be a fisherman right now. If he wants to grow up and be a fisherman, baby, you be a fisherman, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't want to change them in any way. And I know the world will try, yeah. but I hope in, living an authentic life now that they'll be inspired to, you know, yeah. be their selves as they continue to go through life. So funny. I was talking to my husband last night about me making a post of like, I want this for myself, but also for other people to like do things with the tenacity and determination of a toddler. Yes. Just you ask for it and you mm -hmm. ask for it again. And if you bother mm -hmm. people, you ask for it again because yep. they don't have a sense of why I shouldn't ask for it. Why, do, why I don't deserve yeah. it. Why would they say no? They just think, hey, in my heart, this is what I want. So I'm going to request it. And then yep. because of the different rules that we've put on of like, oh, not right now because it's daytime or nighttime or we can't do that or we can't go or drive right now or we can't, you know, like these rules that we kind of create for ourselves to lock ourselves in. We put on yeah. our kids saying, you know, the traffic's going to be bad. So we can, you know, whatever the, the case might be. But I'm like, I want that. I want that yeah. strive because I'm the opposite where I'm like, I don't want to bother anyone. So I'm just not going to be uh, annoying and I'm not going to ask and I'll just stay quiet right yeah. here. But I'm like, no, she's right. And I get like, not that we spoil her, but like in a sense, a little bit, 
But like, you always fire kids just a little. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I'm like, no, you're right. Let's just do it. Let's have, let's do it. Like you want to do that? I'm game. Let's do that. And I'm like, I want others to, because I think, especially in the previous era, like the authority, uh, authoritative parenting was very big where you just like the kid must listen to you and you just tell them yeah. no and they will respect you whereas there is a shift now but we kind of grew up in this uh time where oh parents says no so we can't do that and you start hearing the no really early on which yeah. really shuts you down and if you're dealing with any trauma or any uh, abuse or anything then you just get even lower and lower and lower thinking oh i'm not good enough i don't deserve this i can't have this and you just get smaller into this little ball yeah and, um but I'm like, I, something that I deal with where I'm like, okay, I need to step forward and I need to speak up for myself because not only do I want this thing that I'm saying, you know, and I'm passionate about and feeling my heart, but I, I also want to set a good example for my daughter saying, hey, no, if you want something, you go for it. Yeah, exactly. And I think the one thing I've been trying to learn, and it takes time, is is how to differentiate between the negative self-talk, which I really believe is just the negative things you've heard from other people over the course of your life. And then your conscience and like yeah. your soul and your, uh, I believe in this, but like your spirit guides that are trying to guide you to make the right decisions to get to that place in your life where you can be authentic and live your best life. Um, and it's the voice that is encouraging and the voice that is kind and the voice that is soft, which isn't always easy to hear. Mm-hmm. But if you try to just, you know, anytime one of those negative self-talks come along and just like push it to the side yeah, and listen to that other quiet little voice there that's telling you, you know, like, go for it, yeah. do it, like believe in yourself and give that Some- voice more power than the other boys. Yeah. I, uh, Something I read is that your inner voice is the voice of your most critical parent. Mm. And then I think it takes into consideration if maybe we didn't listen to a parent or didn't have somebody, somebody that we give power to. Yeah. So somebody whose opinion mattered at some point, maybe they had said something. One time my grandma told me I had a bad laugh and for like three years I stopped laughing. I was oh, like, no. I will not laugh. I had a choir coach who told me I'm bad at singing and now I'm like, I'm terrible at singing. Like, I will not. And I'm very harsh on myself. Like, the things I say to myself, my husband hates it because he's like, why do you speak to yourself that way? It's, it's, if another person talked to me to the way I talk to myself, it would be considered abuse. And that's a case in many, in many cases where, like, but now I'm trying to shift it where I'm like, okay, if my daughter talked to herself that way, I would be horrified i would be so oh, sad it'd be devastating De- and yeah. so now i'm like i'm trying to work really hard to calibrate and pivot to where i'm setting the right example where i want to be as nice to myself as nice as i am to my daughter and so i can yeah. set the example so she knows oh when things don't go well it's all right it's not a fail you're not dumb you're not stupid it just oh this way didn't work and you can change it again and you can change it again and again and again and again and it's totally fine instead of getting down on myself and saying you know oh i'm not good enough i don't deserve this this is dumb i'm you know and going down that trail because that just completely just derails you and puts you in such a a bad place but once i started thinking about the fact that oh my gosh i would never want or my best friend well it's my daughter so i'm like my daughter or my best friend I would never want her to speak that way. And so why? I know. 
And so now I'm like, okay, what would my daughter say to me? If I'm having a problem, she'd say, you know, you're good mommy. You're doing good. She, we started this thing where we, we pet the dog. We say, good dog, good dog. And Aww. so she, uh, she will tap me and say, good mommy, good oh, mommy. Oh gosh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and so now, and it makes me cry every time because she's like, good job. You're doing good. Like randomly, Aww. she'll be like, good job, good job. And I'm just like, oh. I want to see myself through her eyes. I want to see myself through my husband's eyes. I want to see myself through God's eyes. Instead of this, that voice that we give a microphone to and put headphones on because that's the only thing that we hear. Like I'm, and I wish this for all kids to grow up with this positive voice of encouragement and confidence. So in my case, my daughter doesn't have to go back and do all of this work. Because I'm like, if I I just wasn't wasting all this time doing all of this work of uncovering and unlistening to all of these things, how much freer would I be? Because sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to do that because so-and-so is going to say. And then when I actually work through it, and I'm like, so what if somebody says this? And a lot of the work on social media has actually helped me in a weird way because when a poster video goes viral, I get all of it. Yeah, I oh, get. Oh, I know. I, I know. Like you, I mean, it just showers you. So mean. Yeah, and uh, I consider myself a fairly good parent. Like I'm with my kid twenty four seven. I am teaching her all the things that I can. I'm very kind and gracious with her. And then you get these comments, and of course you're gonna read them. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, and then it's like you're a terrible parent. They're gonna I choke know. on that, and you're gonna kill them. And you're just like, great. I was wow. having a good day and now I'm a terrible, like, <gasps> and you don't want to take it too hard, but it comes in. And so the first time I went viral and all of this stuff kind of hit me, I was like, should I just go and die now? Like, I know, I know. I, I actually turned off my Facebook page, like unpublished it for a mm. year and a half until I was able to get into a place where I could either put people in their place. <laughs> like, I'm learning how to do that nicely which I um yeah someone recently said that uh kids are shitty these days because we don't hit them enough and I was like oh okay I'm <laughs> let's, yeah. let's do this right yeah. um yeah everybody has an opinion but I I really I had to turn my page off for a year and a half and I think about like how much growth I missed out on when it comes to followers sure um because a lot of the bloggers that I was friends with at the time that were in the same place I was are over like a hundred K followers now where I'm still like chugging along at, at 20, but it's not about numbers. It's about impact. And if you are touching one person who needs to hear what you have to say that day, that is really all that matters. Um, the thing that I don't like is being able to give people a platform on my platform to yeah. skew their baloney. Like I really don't like that. So like yeah. delete those comments. Sometimes there's no point in trying to set them straight because they're so, you know, heavy in that mindset that it won't matter. But just keep doing you and like you are doing such great things and don't let it get inside of your head. And if you need to take a break, you take that break because it was really the best thing I could have done. Um, it's what brought me to Pika and Co. It's what made me get my book done. It like, it just, I pivoted, but I pivoted because I wanted to, not because someone was making me do it. 
Yeah. I think it comes to the same thing we just previously talked about instead of, you know, shutting out the voices that we heard in our childhood or through our high school or any of that and saying comes with the comments. I look at it similarly of if you're coming to my page, that's like yeah. you coming to dinner. I've invited yeah. you to dinner. And if you're going to talk smack about my family or anything else, like you can just leave. You don't have to yeah. stay on this page. You can go literally yeah. elsewhere. And uh, so I'm but it took that step of, I'm still affected by it, but it took that step of first getting hit yeah. in the face with it to then say, okay, I'm going to now, it kind of gives you that backbone of like, okay, do I really believe in it or not? Oh, I do. So yeah. I'm going to stick with it. And then you choose of what is it that you're going to comment back to them or if you're going to leave it ignored. Cause like you said, sometimes it isn't going to pivot. I had somebody who had commented cause I was talking about gentle parenting and respecting your kids and listening to them. And they're like, you need to shut up. Well, they said, be quiet. They said, you need to be quiet. Mom's boss. You need, they need to listen to what you do. Yeah. And I probably went to nowhere, but I, you know, said the response of sure mom's boss, but like, would you rather work for a boss that's hitting you and yelling at you? Or would you work for a boss who listens to you? Yeah. Um, and Sometimes I'm like, it's going on to wasted years, but then I'm like, somebody else might be reading it and maybe they'll understand. Um, yeah. But and I think, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's two things you need to remember. Hurt people hurt people, right? Yeah. And two, um, I was part of the, or I am part of the Her View From Home community. And one of the things we always say is people are neat. And like, <laughs> just like saying that. like people are neat, like, you know, um, and you will get to a place where you can just, brush it off um but one of the things i've realized and i don't know if this is the case for you but i think i've kind of seen a pattern in the influencer and blogger world is a lot of moms start their pages because they're already hurting in some way and they are looking for that outlet or that validation um and that can be dangerous sometimes and it was for me and to already be in a vulnerable spot and open yourself up and there be people in the world who who are going to hurt you, it's a really hard place to be. So you just have to be aware of your feelings and laying boundaries and it's your space. So make it, you know, healthy for you and just take it as it comes. Do what feels yeah. comfortable and go with the flow, but like don't let people hurt you because yeah. you're awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I, uh, oh, another thing I was going to mention when we talked about motherhood and more of your book, but it kind of made me picture uh, like a first trip to the zoo where you know where you kind of want to get to. So you follow those signs yeah. and then the signs kind of lead you to a different place. And then sometimes you loop around. You're like, I want to see the bears, but I'm still seeing the penguins. And then yeah. you kind of get through when you're done and you're like, whoa, that was kind of so fast. I think I saw a lot, but I don't really remember it. But all these signs are like these people who are telling you which way to go and you're kind of exploring it. And then when it's done, you're like, oh, I guess that was the zoo trip. Yeah. And to kind of take that moment of, okay, sometimes we might not know where we go. Sometimes we might get lost, but it's like that have fun and enjoy the moment. Cause like if you're in the yeah. penguins and you've circled them twice, like just chill at the penguins, have a good yeah. time and <laughs> then get an ice cream cone and then keep going, you know, cause yeah. you're in the penguins. It's not going to change. Yeah. yeah. It's silly, but let's also talk about now your engagement with Peek and Co. Cause um, yeah. I can now very much see how your journey and what you've had to face with motherhood and what Pika's values are and how they're kind yeah. of aligned um, and so tell me how you got started with them. Yeah. So 
kind of a bizarre way that this came to be. I, um, I've always been freelancing a little bit as a writer. I was never considering going back to work, at least not now. And I've been approached for other opportunities before and I've never even taken a second look at them. I've always been like, nope, time isn't right. I'm doing my own thing. I'm happy with where I am. Um, January 1st of this year, I started a manifestation challenge with Gabby Bernstein. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She is this like fabulous author, public speaker, like spiritual guru, and I adore her. So I joined her manifestation challenge and basically for 21 days, you're trying to like meditate and manifest something good that you want to happen in your life and just opening your heart to what the universe wants to bring to you. And at the end of that manifestation challenge, I got a note in my inbox from one of the co-founders, Michael, and it said, hey, here's a job posting for a new D2C parenting brand. Would you be interested in interviewing for it? And I took a look at it. I saw it was with St. Joseph's Communications, so I knew it was something legitimate. And I was like, okay, like I may as well go through the interview process. So I started interviewing. Um, Michael was like fantastic right off the bat. Like, you know, when you just get such a good vibe from someone and then he started talking about what Pika was and how, you know, it was about supporting parents and modern parents and their parenting values and being inclusive and representative of everybody. And it just felt so good. So we're going through it, we're going through it. And I get to a place where I think I'm gonna get the job and I realize I don't wanna work full time. Mm-hmm. I wanna still, my youngest is two. I had such a bad postpartum experience the first two years. Decided that I was like in a good place to have a third and then COVID happened. And like my husband and I joke that like we might be the reason COVID happened. Cause like every time we've had a baby like something has just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> um, so apologies, but wow. um, yeah. So I was like, man, I'm in a good space. Like I still want to spend some time with my baby. And so I told Michael, I was like, look, I really appreciate the opportunity for this job, but I don't think it's a good time for me. And I walked away. And then he contacted me a few days later and was like, our team would love to still have you. So Megan's the other co-founder. And he's like, would you consider three days a week? Like we want to we want to make this work for you and your family, which was just such a reinforcement that this was the type of company, if I was going to go back to work, this was the type of company I wanted to do it for. So I was like, yeah, man, I'm I'm on board. And then mm-hmm. Megan and I, who you interviewed last week, the other mm-hmm. co-founder, we went to coffee um, before I officially accepted the job. And like, during that time she talked about her birth story i talked about my experience and we just like bonded on this incredible level as moms and i was like this is it man like this is the team i want to be a part of this is what i want to do and now i'm here with pika and it's been like so much fun and i'm loving it so far i love that i love that you like said the time and waited for something that you really loved and were connected to and attached to. And like, it felt like home. It wasn't just like, Hey, nine to five, or I'm doing this to, you know, make sure I'm financially secure. It was more of like, this is something that connects to my values and something that I can contribute to for my heart. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. And like I had been approached by other brands and major retailers and about really cool opportunities. And I remember telling my husband, like, this is the dream job. Like, if I don't take this, I'm going to kick myself for it. And I have never once kicked myself for not taking those opportunities. And it's because in my gut, I didn't know it was right. And I got to the point where I was able to listen to myself to know when the right opportunity came along, I would know. Um, and this has been it. And it's been great. And I even I've upped my hours since starting within the first month. I was like, I love this so much. And I'm still finding that I'm getting that really healthy balance with my kids. And I'm able to be the mom I want to be and be the woman I want to be. And it's just, it's worked out really, really well. I like that they put parenting first, especially being a parenting company. It's yeah. important that like the the company culture is really healthy. Uh, and then when you're talking about parents, if you don't let parents spend time with their kids. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing here? But Pika is so kind where they're, you know, they're working around with you and they recognize your talent saying, okay, this is the person that we want. And so we're going to make it work instead of saying like, oh, if you don't abide by our rules or things that we need to do. Yeah. And putting you and your family first, which is kind of their like value thing as well as it's about you and your family. I think the biggest statement is, you know, there's no playbook for parenting. There's no one size fits all. And so they're there to kind of help along saying, hey, here's the resources that we have, which you're the big person behind all the resources. You're putting the yeah. blogs to- yeah. <laughs> you're putting the blogs together. How has it been um, doing the blogs for them and co- like getting all of the content and reaching out to other writers, the experts and everything that you're doing? Um, it's been great. I, I think I'm really lucky because I have been freelancing for almost the last six years. So I've created some really wonderful relationships with other bloggers and other freelance writers. So I've brought them on. They're also moms. So I brought them onto this team, which has been great. And then um, they're pitching really cool ideas. We have great editorials. So we're focusing on everything from interviewing experts that are, you know, um, we just did, we have an OT who can talk about things like, for example, my son has issues with food. Um, so she can touch on, you know, textures and food. And we have an article like that coming up and how to use your cutlery and, and just really great developmental components that have an expert weighing in on that to help you feel comfortable about the information that you're reading and know that it's not just some fluff that somebody is putting on the internet. Um, and then we also have real parents that are weighing in. So one of the stories that we have coming up is a mom of a medically complex little boy who was in a wheelchair um he they don't know if he was able to hear or if he had sight like there were just he there were so many different components to his condition but we talked about how their family played when magnus was around and he would in his wheelchair his sister would dance with him um and they would use they knew he was a little bit responsive to light so they would use light sometimes and and Mm -hmm. and have him um you know holding toys that or his sister would hold toys that would have lights and just how to incorporate different children into play who may not have the same abilities as as other kids but are still as deserving to have fun and play and be a part of this community um so it's a really beautiful unique thing that i think we're putting together from an editorial perspective yeah i was really surprised because once entering motherhood you kind of 
you don't say bye to your previous self, but because there's so much information to learn, you start entering the like the mom groups or the mom stories. Yeah. You try to read into those, and that's when my eyes really were open where to how many moms were struggling finding whether it's like the food recipes because the toddler's not eating and now yeah. they're picky or how to deal yeah. with a tantrum or how do you get them to sit still while you're just trying to get to a different place or different things that people are hitting. And again, it's hard because you ask knowing that every kid is different and every parenting and every family is different, yeah. but you're just looking for some sort of answers. And I just, it's so interesting because uh, not only motherhood, but parenthood and you know family and kids like everyone has kids, everyone has a family, yet somehow it seems like it's something that's put into the background because everyone else got other stuff going on. Yeah. Which I find funny when I hear companies like, it's all about the children. And I'm like, is it about the children? And you're making the moms and dads work 80 hours a week so they can't see their children? Like, um, and so that's something I, I, again, I really love about Pika is putting the families first. Uh, but starting yeah. those conversations, as we talked about, like in motherhood and parenthood in general, but when you enter that journey and now you're this new person and you have to learn all of these new things, it's hard finding what's right, what works, what doesn't work, and what you should listen to or shouldn't listen to. And what I, I actually find really amazing within your story is that where we started this podcast even was you telling you were kind of the first in your group to get into all of it. And so you didn't have that village or tribe to get yeah. connected to. But now you're on the other side and you're kind of the person that's starting this tribe and village of people yeah. who are sharing this stuff. Like you're you're the leader in the group Thanks. now saying, hey, I've trekked this. Yeah. These are the people that I met. And here's some information yeah. that I think you'll find helpful. And I did it very quickly. I, <laughs> I had three kids in under four years. Um, I like fast tracked through motherhood. And all of my kids have very diverse and different needs. Like I have my oldest is, is neurodiverse with ADHD. Um, my middle one has been in speech therapy and is a very, very picky eater. And right now I don't want to jinx it, but my youngest has been like by far my easiest. She is so darling, so sweet. So like she wakes up in the morning and first thing, mama, like she just, yes, <laughs> she makes yes. me feel so special. <laughs> I Yay. Like, um, but like within families, so you, you, you have a family, you have your own unique values and way of parenting, but then there's also unique ways of parenting each child and it's just it's a constant learning experience you know you figure it out in one chapter and then you're bouncing right on to the next one and you have to figure out the next chapter and then you reflect back on all of it and you're like holy you know cow um i did it yeah i did it and as hard as it was, and I'm telling you when I say I was in the ruts of postpartum depression, like it was bad. I look back now and I recognize that it was hard, but man, I look back on those little squishy toes and videos and stuff and I would give anything to go back for a second with the perspective I have now because it is so different. But I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about parenting too is that you have to learn and you won't have that perspective until you're on the other side of it. So it kind of takes a little bit from you, but then it gives some more back and, and it, it, yeah, it just, that's why I'm obsessed with my third baby because I learned so much and I've recovered since then and I smother her, which I feel bad about, but 
she's kind of been my my chance to to do it all over again with like a clear eye or clear eyes clear heart yeah clear mind you know um and it's been really special i love that i have a post i'm posting today i was just in thoughts about that idea of motherhood where it's we want to we're we're constantly teaching them how to develop new skills and learn and we want them to grow up and do all this stuff and so in a way we're kind of hurrying their development a hundred percent and then at the exact same it's like all day long we're just hurry hurry grow up do this do this do this this, and then nighttime comes and they're still and we're still and i'm like don't grow up this day is gone tomorrow you're older tomorrow you're another person i i want to get this time back i don't even recognize you i have to look at pictures of your different person you know and tomorrow's gonna hit and you have this new outlook of like okay tomorrow's fresh i'm gonna enjoy every moment and then it hits and it's like everyone's awake everyone's doing and you're in you're in a rush of things and it just goes 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 and then it's nighttime again you're like it's weird because like the years are long but the days are short no the days are long but the years are short short. yeah and similar in a day form where it's like sometimes the day seems to go forever it's like where is it going to end we're still doing stuff there's so many things and then it's like well where did it go there was so much that happened did I miss I anything? Did I did I connect with it? You know, the mom guilt kind of comes in. It's like, did I connect oh. enough? Did I do all this stuff? Did I do it right? Did I make the right decisions? Did I say the right stuff? Did I, currently my daughter is uh, picking and choosing which words she's going to, like each day it's like three new words, but it's like the most yeah. random words. But it, it makes me aware of, I, I know fully well she already knows what I'm saying and fully understands everything, but she just can't quite say all of the words yet. But now... It's like, I have to be careful of what I say around, about anyone around her because yeah. she, she <laughs> yeah. takes it all in. And if I say one negative thing just because I'm upset, she, what if that's the word she picks and that's what sticks and that becomes her inner voice and that becomes a yeah. thing like, I'm now like hyper aware that I have to, I, of course I'm honest with her, but the way I present information to her is so crucial right now because those are the things that she's going to translate in her mind and develop a definition for a certain situation, event, yeah. a memory, and core memories. Like a, yeah. And she's building yeah. them. It's like, yeah. I had a hair on my arm. I took it off. We said bye-bye, but now that's a story. Yeah. And she says, mom, yeah. hair, arm <laughs> off, bye-bye hair. Like, yeah. this is amazing. This is yeah. really cool. And I'm like, that's what you stuck, you know, like that. It was so nothing to me. And yeah. to her, it was such a definitive moment of being able to understand what happened. I'm like, anything I do, taking a hair off makes a significant importance right now in her life. And so to I be know. so conscious of, even I was brushing my teeth and I was trying to do it really fast because I just need to get it done, need to be out. And then she loves brushing her teeth. So we gave her her toothbrush and she started brushing really fast. And I was like, oh, just because They're I'm always hurrying. watching. Yeah. And she started, and I'm always like, I watching. need to stop brushing my teeth fast because I'm setting a poor example. She thinks mm-hmm. that's how you need to do it. And I was just doing it in a hurry because I was, you know, doing a time limit for myself. But I'm like, literally anything and everything. Yeah. I know. Like, my middle goes to daycare and her name's Holly and she messaged me the other day and she's like, so I hear your dad likes head scratches. <laughs> and I was like, Cause like Max always goes to my parents and like scratches my dad's head. Or she's like, so Max told me about your hairy toes today. And like, they just, <laughs> they just pick it up and they retell the stories. I and know. There's no context. They're just, I know uh, nothing is safe. 
There is like nothing safe. No. I, uh, we do this thing where we go booty, 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 booty. And we like hit on the dog's booty or like the toy's booty or her booty. We go mommy's booty, booty, booty. And I'm like, if she went anywhere right now and she was going booty, people think I'm like maybe spanging her or she's weird. (laughs) Or like, if you don't know the inside jokes that are within the family, you might get so weird. I know. It just, bless them. Yeah. Yeah. But you mentioned this before. I love the reminders that they are of what's truly important, how they see things in life in your everyday where it's like, wow, this is such a beautiful moment where you can actually like pause and take it all in and like, oh my gosh, like she loves picking mint and she just goes and picks and smells it. I'm like, let me soak in this moment. Let me just pick this mint with you and smell it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's It's, so, it just, it's a reset where I'm like, it's grounding. It really, it just like brings you back down to earth. Like they have a way of, you really do see the world through their eyes and it's, it's a really special thing. Yeah. I'm trying to refocus where instead of like, and I guess spread the message like through my TikTok usually, but where instead of trying to make our kids get into our schedule, if we recognize that they're here to almost save us, to help us, to come back yeah. to the things and see things through their schedule, yeah. see things through their lives and say, because sometimes I want to be like, oh, we got to get in, got to get in in a hurry and do this and this. Or I'm like, that actually can wait. That yeah. isn't as important as if I spend an extra second here right now, this is going to lock in some sort of a thing. And so yeah. to literally like slow down, which is so hard for me because I'm like, I need to get I going. Know. I need to, you know, all these things need to get done. I will say, like, having a child with ADHD who just processes the world a little bit different, um, I, I give him so much credit. He has been my biggest teacher, and I am a much better parent to my other two kids because he has taught me what it means to be slow and present and patient beyond, like, my wildest dreams. Um but yeah, you have to just like follow their lead, learn from them, see what they need and try your best. Like, obviously, you know, sometimes parenting comes first and you have to say no and you have to follow the schedule and you have to, have to, have to. But when there's flexibility there to to be more aware of their needs, it it really, um, it's, it's a great thing to, to be able to do. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Andy, I'm going to close down the show, but I want to say thank you for being on. Where can people find you and read your stuff and your book? You said October? It's coming out in October with Pandemonium Publishing House here in um, Canada. So pre-sales will be live through them first. And then it's going to be in all major bookstores across the U.S. and Canada. You'll find me on Walmart, Barnes & Noble, Indigo. Um, I'm on Instagram at Annie Lawton with an underscore and my Facebook page is grown up glamour by Annalise Lawton. Um, so yeah, come tag along. I keep it real. I keep it funny. I talk a lot about mental health and I'm always open to have a conversation with anyone who needs it. I love that. Yeah. Thank you, Annie. Thanks thank for you having for your me. Time. Of course. And I'll, thank I'll talk you. to you very soon. <laughs> yes. We'll chat soon. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you, everybody. And I'll see you next time. Bye.